Support for Great Minds is provided by The Wine Store, located at 1200 Central Avenue in Naples. The Wine Store offers a unique selection of wines from small production, artisan, and family-owned wineries. Their in-store wine education center hosts classes for the novice and connoisseur alike. Details are at thewinestorenaples.com. Great Minds, a wine-centric podcast where two wine-loving friends take a look beyond what's in the glass. We dig a little deeper into the stories, the culture, and the history behind wine. And of course, we drink a little too. Okay, maybe a lot along the way. <laughs> I'm Julie Glenn. And I'm Gina Birch. We also pay a little bit of attention to the calendar. Uh, not just checking it to see if it's a root or fruit day, but also those national and international days designated to celebrate certain grapes and or regions. Not that we need any excuse to consume any of these wines on any given day, but it helps to narrow down our choices. So July 20th through 26th is National Prosecco Week. And when it comes to all things Italian, I always turn to Julie. I wonder if they set National Prosecco Week to end on the high note that is my birthday. <gasps> uh-huh. Say it's not so. July 26th, the last day of Prosecco. Week. The grand finale. I think grand. this is perfection. That's when we bust out the DOCG. Mm, Get the mm-hmm. G in there. Well, you're, you know, you're definitely up to speed on the Italian wines. And for me, if it sparkles, it's, it's in my wheelhouse. I love it. By the way, we're in your house, your wheelhouse today, recording uh, from our home studios where we recently had some fun Zoom uh, happy hours, which we're going to tell you about here in a minute. Yeah, Zoom has been quite a bringer together of all people from all mm-hmm. corners of the globe when yeah. it comes to wine. It's been really fun to do that. And I love how we sit at the opposite ends of the table, kind of like Jesus at the Last Supper. We do. <laughs> Waving at the other end. Hey, what's going on? So if you hear us a little echoey, that's uh, that's why. That's because we're not in our usual studio right. bubble. So there are many reasons to love Prosecco. Oh, yes. Um, you can Let me count the ways. Breakfast, lunch, <laughs> yes, dinner. Exactly. Really well. It's really good with cornflakes. Oh, it's great with mm. chips and... Uh, air. Air. <laughs> the um, swimming pool. You know, I finally broke down and got one of those little wine glasses that's like the metal that's insulated to keep it cool outside. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Works pretty well. It looks like a little sippy cup kind yeah. of thing. I have one of those that has glass inside of it. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Oh, it's it. perfect. I love it. I love it. So the other thing that I, I like about Prosecco is, you know, it's lower in alcohol, which means lower in calories, which also means because lower in alcohol and calories, you can have more of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, Prosecco has to be 80 85% Glera grape by law, mm-hmm. with only five other grapes being uh, possible to be added. Um, Valdo Bieren is the best area for Prosecco. It's made a little differently from Champagne, though, in which the second bubble-producing fermentation happens in the bottle in Champagne, but with Prosecco, it's made to sparkle through the Charmat process, which traps bubbles in wine via carbonation in large steel tanks. Right, so typically it, there are less bubbles in Prosecco than Champagne, and there are there are people that don't like a lot of fizz and they just they don't like how champagne feels in their mouths um i'm not going to say that's un-american or un uh, <laughs> italian or un anything but i say. mean you know they're just there's we all have textures and we all have things that we we like and don't like so mm-hmm. uh that is one of the difference i love how i've heard it described as it's champagne in blue jeans I think yeah. that's a great description for Prosecco. I think if you looked really hard, you could find some really small Prosecco producers mm-hmm. that probably do make it in the traditional, more traditional um, 
Method Champenoise, mm -hmm. maybe. However, the risk with that, with Prosecco, is so great that the amount that needs to be made, you know, and mm -hmm. you have to consistently be able to make that every year. Right. Um, with the dollars that are involved in it and the margins on a wine that is less expensive, significantly less yeah. expensive than Champagne, it's just not as likely to be a, a predominant method of making it. But the original Proseccos were, an, much like Champagne, an accident. Mm -hmm. They uh, laid them down to rest, and then it got uh, it warmed up too quickly or something, and then uh, the secondary fermentation started, and they noticed that their white wines in this region were blowing up. So they got thicker glass. <laughs> literally blowing up. Literally <laughs> blowing up. Not like blowing up like a viral video, but yeah. <laughs> literally the bottles were busting. So they got thicker glass and then kind of let nature take its course. Sometimes it turned out bubbly, sometimes it didn't warm up enough, and they had flat wine. Yeah. But they were trying to make flat wine to begin with that, exactly. back in the day. So uh, I love this mistake. It was a very, uh, it's my favorite mistake. Didn't Cheryl Crow sing that song? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we were in a, in a Zoom happy hour with the folks from Mianetto, and they've been doing this since uh, the late 1800s. Um, they, uh, they do something different than a lot of other Prosecco makers, and they bottle theirs to order. You know, you were talking about how it's, how this is fermented in a steel tank rather than the second fermentation in the bottle. And that makes a big difference in freshness. Um, that's why champagne can be, it has to be set, uh, laid back for a little, a few years before it's bottled. It's got to come to fruition in the bottle before it's brought out to the market. But Prosecco, you can turn that stuff around. Yeah. And um, because it doesn't have all the yeasty elements that a, that a champagne has, it doesn't age as well. You want it fresh. You want it right out of the tank. And you're looking that's, for freshness. Yeah. You're not looking for brioche in a, in a Prosecco. Right. And that's one of the things that Mianetto does to keep it fresh. And I think that's, that's kind of a cool little... Thing that a lot of people don't know about this Talk producer. About having it down to a science, mm -hmm. though. Yeah, they do. Uh, because they make a lot. Yeah. I mean, they're not a small producer. Nope. And uh, they've been doing it for over 400 years as well. So it's not something they, they just started to do because Prosecco's hot and cool now. And the thing about being big, because, um, you know, me and Edo's, they're big. Mm -hmm. But the thing about being big is it gives them room to play and do some of the higher-end ones. You know, right. some DOCGs or single vintage, one, mm -hmm. like just one great year of grapes and then make that and just cause. So they have that kind of wiggle room to play around and right. do stuff and be the first to jump on a bandwagon uh, when rosé becomes allowed. Things oh, like yeah. that, which we'll get to later. <laughs> I'm excited about that. So Prosecco was a novelty in the United States back in the 90s. It kind of gained popularity in the early 2000s a lot more because we were celebrating the new millennium. Um, in the last few years, though, it's really exploded in the States. We recently participated in a, in a Zoom happy hour with the folks from Mionetto. Mionetto, as you mentioned, has been around since the late 1800s. It was the first to make an organic Prosecco. On the call was the CEO of Frigine Mionetto USA, Inore Ciola. He has been given a lot of credit for getting Prosecco into the U.S., and he's a champion of it, and he's been making it in Italy for some 400 years. Not he personally. No. He's not well, the he Moses of Prosecco. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, the company has right. been uh, doing that. And when I said earlier, being big is not necessarily bad. Mm -hmm. Frigne, mm -hmm. the, the Spanish cava producer, yep. I went there a long, long time ago, and their higher-end, like, you know, one-offs of a certain vintage or different uh, production practices. They were incredible. And they are making Prosecco now. 
Virginia, they've expanded. They left. They bought me another. I mean, they haven't Spain. left Spain, but they've expanded into Italy. Well, they know so, their way around sparkles. Yeah, they do. And you know, we recorded this Prosecco happy hour via Zoom that we had, and uh, we've taken a few liberties with the editing just to let you know and playing it back here. So what we did was we cut out some of the chit chat and some of the questions, not all. However, everything is in order. We just condensed it a little bit for the sake of our podcast here. And we also cut out the part where we were. Passing the Indian food that we had ordered in, which I will say went really well with all the Prosecco. Yes, it did. So Inora tells the story here. It wasn't easy <laughs> because, you know, I thought the most and the the best promoter of Prosecco would have been the Italian. So the first thing like an Italian would have done, I go to the Italian restaurant and every Italian owner of the restaurant says, Inora, what are you doing here? You know, you don't, you know, we only sell champagne. Prosecco is not going to sell here. You're wasting your time. This is not going to work. And but you know, I'm I'm from Friuli, from Veneto, so I don't give up very easily. I I grew up drinking prosecco, so I know that prosecco is such a great wine. So I couldn't understand why. The other thing is, I didn't know so much about the wine industry, and that was a great thing because if I knew, I probably would never done it. So I sat on my own, go around, around First Avenue, Second Avenue, Third Avenue, your city, and knocking every single door of every store, selling the wine. And then at that time, New York just made tasting legal. So I offered every store, you know, wine tasting uh, because I knew that people taste the wine. They can't say no. The wine was great. So every Friday, every Thursday, every Saturday, every Wednesday, you know, not only selling during the day, then tasting during the afternoon, the evening. And it was amazing because people, the, the first thing they said, I don't like champagne or I don't like sparkling wine. But then then I said, this is not champagne, you know, it's Prosecco uh, and it's different. And they taste it, wow, it really is different, which is great. You know, it was it was great because for me, it was an amazing education about consumer. And then from there, you know, it was, it was easy. You know, we started from New York and then we went to Boston, then Chicago, and then, you know, only 20 years later. <laughs> so a, 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 20, a 20 year overnight success then, sort of. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Glera Grape uh, NRA and why this region, why it grows there and, and what's special about the Glera Grape? I, I will say this, you know, uh, the difference from of Prosecco and many other sparkling wine, you know, made with the traditional method is number one is, of course, is the method. Number two is the grapes. Many of the sparkling wine made with the traditional method are, are based on Chardonnay and Pinot Noir, uh, where Prosecco is based with Glera. Glera is different than, than very different from, from Chardonnay. It's a fruit forward grape. Um, it's a high acidity, but it's very delicate. And so to keep those primary fruit flavors of, of, of this grape, the Glera, then the best method is the Charmant method, which is a short fermentation in tanks. And that is the biggest difference between sparkling wine with made to champenoise, champagne, cremant, or even from California, and, and prosecco. You know, the first thing you you you, you smell on, on prosecco is is the fruit, right? And that's why we use this kind of, of glasses, you no, know, with the large amount, because then you can enjoy the fruity flavor even more. So it's a it's a great wine goes by itself, but it's a great wine that you can enjoy with food, whatever is fried, fried calamari or fried seafood, but or even grilled or poached salmon, for example. So it, it goes with a variety of food. And I, I find it very elegant, especially the prestige 
because it is very versatile and it goes very well with seafood. Last night we finally got our our seafood package. Now everybody gets uh, home home delivery, right? And it was great with our scallops. You know, I did scallops uh, on on the on the oven, so it's perfect. So we also talked about the texture of bubbles and Prosecco. We talked about how and when to drink it and some of the big news for Rosé, which is uh, has not been allowed the designation, the DOC designation until recently. The rules are changing and this is pretty big news. Mm-hmm. So we started by talking though about the proper glass in which, from which to enjoy your Prosecco. A flute with a Prosecco it me is not a very exciting thing. Maybe a, a fruit with a champagne is fine because again, different different fruit, different profile, tasting profile, so that will work. But for prosecco, uh, this is my, is my favorite glass. Um, what about so? What about bubbles in general? Are, are is there a big difference between champagne bubbles and prosecco bubbles? Should you be looking for something in your bubbles? I will say that usually speaking. A very good way to measure the quality of Prosecco is how, how the feel of the bubbles in your mouth. The finer, the more elegant bubbles you feel in your mouth, the better quality is the sparkling wine is. And usually in a champagne, you find that with a, non, with a vintage champagne, like a three-year-old and plus, because the bubbles have enough time to integrate uh, with the wine. Same thing goes with Prosecco. You know, if you want to have a good Prosecco, it takes a little bit longer fermentation in the tanks and the bubble needs to be very fine and persistent. Now, Champagne usually has a little bit more pressure, so more bubbles than Prosecco. Um, Prosecco sometimes is less less bubble, so it's easier uh, in, in that way. But, you know, again, it's all about, it's all about personal taste, right? Fantastic. Uh, sparkling Rosé. So yeah, I don't know if you guys have tried this one before, but um, you know it's been a great seller for us. Um, the kind of the news on this that we're very excited about is uh, the Prosecco DOC. So the the consortium have just this year announced that we will be able to, as of as of basically beginning of next year, we will be able to produce a Prosecco Rosé. So up until now, um, that's not been allowed. Uh, but as of the beginning of next year, uh, we will be basically launching a new item, which will be called uh, Mionetto Prosecco Doc Rosé. And that will be made with basically 85% glera. So it will be different grapes uh, and it's got quite a different taste profile. So we use 85% glera and then Pinot, Pinot Noir, so Pinot Nero. Um, but it's a different taste pro- profile. So we're, we'll be excited to share that with you when that comes out. Um, but we're equally proud of what we have right now, uh, I'd say. Sure. Um, it'll, be, it'll, be, it'll be a slightly different, lighter in color, lighter in, in, uh, in body, but uh, with a nice fruit uh, flavor. So very, very exciting. Looking forward to have that in the United States. Our plan is uh, bottled in, uh, in November and then ready for Valentine's Day launch. Enray, what about uh, Mianetto selling in other countries then? So does it, does it sell well in Europe? Does it sell well in Italy, its home country? Yeah, Mianetto always, you know, number, the number one market um, has always been Italy, especially uh, restaurants and bars. Everywhere you go in the Veneto and you, have, you, you stay in a hotel, 
they get up in the morning, they have a coffee, they have the orange juice, and they have a bottle of Prosecco in the, in the ice bucket. This is 7 a.m. in the morning. Maybe breakfast is too much, okay? But I can tell you, when I lived in Italy, 11 o'clock, you know, you finish, last espresso was around 10.30, 11 o'clock was the Prosecco. It's perfect, you know, brunch, lunch. Um, it's just great, you know, it's, you drink it any time. Uh, brunch is great because it's a wine that you can drink two or three glasses. You get happy, but you don't get drunk. So that's what's great about Prosecco. You hardly get drunk with Prosecco. You get happy. Yeah, that's a good thing, you know. Just just there, you know. And so and to me, that's a good thing. I think Italia embraced life, uh, you know, less seriously than many, many others, you know, and they want to enjoy life uh, daily. And so... You know, so that's Prosecco, you know, you want to enjoy it on a daily basis. Uh, you can take it very seriously, open a bottle of, of, of Cartice for when you go on a date and you ask your 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 significant other for a for a sheer engagement, but you can open this with a pizza with your friend. So it works in very different ways. So and to me, that's, that's exactly the representation of, of Italy. You know, you have um, something that's really good, uh, that, that's something in style, it's quality, but it's approachable, you know? So, again, that's why, you know, the champagne in blue jeans, because, you know, why do you need to wear a suit where you can be blue, a nice pair of blue jeans and a, and a nice uh, jacket and, and look uh, cool anyway, right? And how about NRA? Obviously, during these tough times, uh, have we found that people are drinking more Prosecco or less Prosecco? Uh, what's, been, what's been the trends? So... Even during this time, and, you know, I've been through three different crises, uh, first in Italy and then in the United States. It's unbelievable, you know, what Prosecco does because uh, Prosecco in the last uh, 90 days, it, it spikes through the roof. And I think it's because people being home and having, a, you know, a full day of, of uh, stress work because, you know, you work from home. We're not used to this, you know. This is beautiful tasting over zoom but most of during the day most of the zoom are meeting where you have to talk about how can you go through this time right so you get to the end of the day you're really stressed out and there's nothing better than a nice glass of wine why not be prosecco you know with bubbles why drinking a glass of i don't know pinot grigio that maybe is not very exciting where you can have a beautiful glass of with with sparkling wine makes you you know happy right there so it's uh i i think you know, bubbles bring happiness, uh, and I think uh, every one of us needs some happiness at the end of the day during this time. I definitely yeah. do. <laughs> you know, I cannot agree with that statement enough. I I love that that sentiment of we we why do we have to wait for a reason to celebrate? Every day is a celebration, and. And when you have something that's affordable, like the Mianetto or a lot of the Proseccos, it's something that you really can drink every day. And what I also love about Mianetto is they make little splits. They make a smaller serving so you don't have to commit to an entire bottle. There's know? nothing cuter than a little split. Oh, my gosh. I love them. Love them, love them, love them. So, so what, we tried a number of them. Yes. What about the rosé, though? Let's let's um, let's go back to that for a minute. That the, the DOC the, that it's the rules are changing, and we're actually going to have um, rosé prosecco. Yeah. It's now allowed. It's now allowed. It's official. It's legal. Yeah, it's official. It's legal. You can call it prosecco when it's a rosé. Right. Before you can make a rosé, but you can't call it prosecco. Right. You can't use the name. But now they're allowed to do that. 
And they're using um, the same traditional grapes that you would find in a champagne. So mm-hmm. Pinot Noir, isn't that right? It was yeah, and yeah, Pinot Nero, which was what they were saying. And um, so anyway, I know we'll be talking more about that in February when it's released or when it comes out when some of the first ones come out. So, yeah, but we got to try theirs, didn't we? We got to try their regular rosé, which to me was like um, it was like a cream, it was like a strawberry cream. It was really good. I um, liked it. Yeah, it was. So it's not it's not official, like you said, prosecco. So like it, maybe rose. it can't say prosecco on the bottle, right? It, it, so. Exactly. And it was um, it had some pomegranate in it. It was super fresh. Um, and you're right, it's not technically a Prosecco, but it's a rosé sparkling from A Prosecco region. producer. Yeah. So basically it's rosé. It is. <laughs> you just got to uh, get the, the right OKs for right. your uh, your local co-op, I guess it is. And anyway, so um, Prestige Brut is their flagship. Yeah, right? it's a flagship. And I think that's the one that they partnered with um, uh, Aperol. Mm-hmm. So it's, it is the preferred... Uh, bubbles to use when you're making the Aperol spritz, which has ex- exploded exponentially. Yeah, people have really um, gotten into that lately. Yeah, I mean, it, all over Italy, it was a big deal. You know, it, it has been, and, and all of a sudden here, and with Aperol teaming up with Mianetto to do this, it's it's um, and and the reason they are using this prosecco, they are saying, is because of the balance of fruit and acidity, and it's just it's perfect with Aperol. Of course, is that bitter uh, liqueur that's it's a bright orange color, and um, it looks really cool with some ice and a big huge goblet, and it tastes really cool too. So there is a recipe, there is a um, a, a preferred method to make it, mm-hmm. and it's three parts prosecco, two parts Aperol, and one part club soda. Mm-hmm. And then another uh, little cocktail that you could use for this one mm-hmm. is the Italian 75, similar to the French 75. Mm. You throw in your gin, some lemon juice, Prosecco, and then you drop a cherry, a little maraschino cherry in there to mix it up as it floats on down that flute. So mm. um, that's very refreshing for the summertime. I really liked the organic. I think you and I both liked uh, Mianetto's organic um, Prosecco, and they did this, I think he said in the, and maybe didn't say in the interview, um, that Whole Foods had originally asked, do you make it organic? And, and they, you know, I said, well, I don't know, let me ask. And it just so happened that some of their producers were already growing grapes organically. All right, let's do it. Let's make let's an organic Prosecco. Keep those in a certain little batch. Yes, exactly. <laughs> we'll make a specifically organic one. I loved it because it had an elderflower kind of yes. a nose going on. Anything that smells like flowers, I am into. Right. So, yeah. And it was kind of uh, apple, pineapple, citrus, a lot of great flavors. And I, that one was by far my favorite. Mm-hmm. I think my second favorite in the lineup was the rosé, mm-hmm. that strawberry cream action. Um, but they were all, they were really good. Oh, and then they had the one little small production guy. Yeah, the Cartese. Cartese. Um, Cartese, it's, yeah. It's small production. Uh, the U.S. only gets about 300 cases. That is it. And we had a bottle, and it's a whopping $35. So it's one of their... That's most, high-end for Prosecco. Yeah, it is. It really is. It's, um, so it's more expensive, but it's still super affordable when you think about what's in there. So it comes from small parcels. It's um, well-made, and um, it's uh, it's hard to get. Limited production. Yeah, it is tough to get. But um, the that was $35 a bottle. Most of them, though, are around the $15 range yes. when you get into the retail world. They are. They're very affordable. They're great for, you know, you mentioned some of the cocktails. Um, what I loved about the Mianetto is it's it's good enough that I can drink it on its own, and I'm not going to be hurt if you put it in a mimosa or one of these cocktails yeah. because it's, it's not going to make me upset. Right. Yeah. Sometimes when you pay a lot of money, you just want to oh. have straight up pure stuff, and you don't want to mix with anything <laughs> yes. at all. I'm not one. I'm not rich enough to pull that off. 
<laughs> you are. You just choose not to. <laughs> yeah. It's not how much you make. It's how much you, you spend, spend, right? Amen, we were talking about that earlier. Oh, gosh. Well, Great Minds is produced at WGCU Studios usually, but today it's at Julie's Kitchen Table um, <laughs> in Estero, Florida. Our producer for online media is Tara Callaghan. Technical production is by Mike Canary. Great Minds theme music for Zante is by Colin Mannon. To get in touch, check greatminds.org or call the Grapevine and ask a wine question that we can address on a future show. That number is 707-200-3632. Happy National Prosecco Week. Thanks for listening.